Hello and welcome to The Connection, a new podcast from Connect Global. I'm Javier Mendoza, co-founder and vice president. We are excited to be using this platform to be more connected to you. The Connection can be broken down into three sections. The Founders Corner, an ongoing conversation between the co-founders of Connect Global. Global Neighborhood, a mix of interviews from around the world, including some of our friends and partners. And Life Talks place to hear the most recent talks we've given on the gospel, missions, and our place in the Great Commission. Our sincere hope is that you would favorite, bookmark, or subscribe to our podcast and for you to come back often for all the interviews, conversations, and to join the discussion. Let's get to it. Welcome back to another edition of Global Neighborhood here with Connect Global on the Connection Podcast. Today we have the second part of the interview with Daryl Courtney and Travis Moffitt. That DNA, I think, is a great way to describe it because it is generational. It's been passed on yeah. from person to person. And then, like you said, even here now at WE, we've had, what, three, four hundred people you yeah. know, here at this conference yes. who love the local church yeah. you know we talked this morning and last night about new church plants here in the united states but also love the global church mm-hmm. that the purpose of our churches is to fulfill the great commission locally and around the world yeah and uh that's that's incredible the heritage that your grandfather lived and to his last breath yeah yeah he, you know he would he's all he's, he's still highly respected um we as, as grandchildren, we were so close to him, we really didn't understand how far-reaching his impact was, sadly, until he was gone. You know, being in pastoring now, I would give just about anything to, to sit down and have one conversation with him. Um, you know, but, but thankfully, uh, my dad being raised up under him, uh, as not only a son-in-law, but a spiritual son, he imparted so much. So, so in, in a way, when I talk to dad, I do talk to him. Sure. Um, and I, I, as as my call progressed, um, I think when when I realized that that spiritual DNA was was stronger than I than I ever thought was uh, two years ago in Louisville, Kentucky, at the Global Roundtable, uh, we did a parade of missions, and we did it started off the conference with all of the missions uh organizations and, and the yeah. people missionaries that were there and we just we celebrated them as they walked in and they just they um described where they were at the work they were doing and and while they were coming in i just started i started weeping uh and and it was just like a punch i felt i at that time i, I made this statement i wish i would have had just millions of dollars so that i could have given every one of them everything that that they need to complete every project that's in their heart, you know, and yeah. uh, and I think that was when I, um, I, I truly began to start to feel the, the burden of, or, or the, yeah, the burden of stepping into that role, stepping into those footsteps. It's you know? awesome. Now that was two years ago. I remember that that was an amazing conference. Um, but another significant thing happened two years ago that you alluded to a moment ago. You and I had the opportunity to travel together into yep. Honduras. We did. Tell me yep. about that. How was that trip for you? That was that was a fantastic trip. Uh, I, that that trip actually spoiled us. I, you know, at one time I was I was wanted to pull you guys aside and 
tell you to stop treating us so good because some of the young <laughs> people would think that this was this was how all missions trips right, would go. Right, right. Um, we try to set the bar pretty high, you know. We want people <laughs> to come back on that second trip. So the, well, you know, the, 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 the young people that went on that trip, they still talk about it to this day. Yeah. Um, that trip was such a great mix of both uh, ministry but hands-on, you know, from, from sanding down the furniture and painting tables that, sure. that the little kids uh, at the Dinoff school would, you know, would sit at. I mean, it, it just, um, it, it was such a, it was a fantastic trip to, to the, the lunch, the simple lunch that we had at that last resort boys home. Um, yeah. Uh, the the um, Casa Hogar. All of those things. I think it, what I loved about it is it, it was such a very well-rounded picture of what missions and ministry is. It's not just going and preaching crusades. It's not just, it's not fully preaching and it's not fully humanitarian work. It's a great mix of, of both, you know, and then the fact that the, the hydroponic systems that you guys do, and, um, just it, the sustain, the, the, the creating sustainable living and resources, but also introducing them in, into a, uh, an eternal God, uh, the, the mix of it was just a fantastic trip. Uh, uh, well, you guys had a great team. Y'all brought a great team, yeah. and uh, I, we really enjoyed that. Javier and I both uh, think very fondly back on that trip. Yeah. Um, but there was another very significant thing that, that happened. Remember, we were at the uh, Foundation for Honduran Children with Cancer yeah. at the uh, Hospital Atlantida, and the director of the hospital right. invited us in, and she presented us with a very interesting challenge. Yeah. Tell us, a, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I, yeah, that was a, that that caught us a little off guard. You know, here you yeah. are just going to visit a hospital, and all of a sudden you're standing in the in the, the director's office. As for, uh, that was our first time in her office. We had never <laughs> met her, and she's like, "Hey, you guys come in here for yeah." I, for I a wasn't minute. expecting people on a government level to be so receptive of yeah. uh, the church. I guess um, that that sent me home um, with just a. I don't know, something in my heart that we, we got to help, we got to do something. Uh, the heartbreaking moment in that whole deal for me was when we walked out of the, the children's cancer ward and we were walking through those those breezeways and corridors and seeing young mothers who had just given birth that were sleeping on cardboard or cots because they couldn't afford to go back into the hills uh, and, and make it back for their, their follow-up appointments. And, um, you know, uh, I went back and as best I could shared what the vision was, what the need was with my with my dad, senior pastor, began to share it with, with, with people and from that point on, you know, we've had people that are wanting to be a part of that project and uh, and, and I fully fully plan on being back down there at some point during that project, you know. Yeah. Um, it I gotta tell you that the way you described it I think is very fitting. It took us off guard. Um, you know, we were working with the Foundation for Hunter and Children with Cancer. We still do uh, things with that organization. We're, we're glad to be partnered with them. Um, but when Dr. Amador, the director, showed us what's going on there, that these moms, yes. you know, 8 to 20 moms every day, today. Yeah. You know, we, we always try to remind everybody right now, today, tonight, yeah. the mom, there are moms who are going to sleep on that floor yeah. tonight. And... Um, when we were able to see that and understand the dynamics, you know, a lot of those moms have children that are born premature, underweight, yeah. so they're having to wait for their child to be released from the hospital. They have a great NICU, they've got a place for the kids, but literally just no place for the moms. 
you know, you, you said a moment ago, your house is an hour from here, yeah. you know. Tomorrow night, you're gonna drive home, sleep in your own bed, Absolutely. you know. In a couple of days, I'm gonna fly back to Tampa, sleep in my own bed, but these yeah. moms, they're gonna sleep on the tile floor because they're not gonna abandon their children. Yeah. You know, they're expressing their dedication to their family. And when me and Javier and you and Jason and the other members of the team sat down and looked at those blueprints and listened to the director's heart, I, I know for me, I remember thinking, this is a bigger project than where Connect Global is right now in, in our organization, but I can't not do something about this. Yeah, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't walk down that corridor and look at the moms and know that there's a solution yeah. and just say to them or to myself, there's a solution, but I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I think it goes so, so deep. Uh, in that aspect, um, not too long ago, I preached a sermon series just about being the body of Christ and how um, a lot of the church, a lot of Christians today, settle for the the, the blanket statement of "Oh, I'll pray for you," yeah. um, and 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 some may even get has that point in saying, "Oh, well, I'll give you some money," but that's not what that's not what Jesus called us to do. Um, you know, he. If someone's cold, telling them that you're gonna pray for them that they get warm, that's not gonna help them. Uh, right. Buying them a coat and putting it on them is what's gonna keep them warm. If they yeah. if they're homeless, it, you know, uh, giving them a new box is not gonna help them. It's trying to find find them a place to live, a place to stay. And um, yeah, I, I don't think there's any way that you could call yourself <laughs> uh, an organization like you do and continue to walk by those women sleeping on the ground and yeah. not do something about it. You know, we we heard yesterday that statement. Bishop Miller said about things like that aren't planned for, they're just prepared for. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think that Connect Global was there for such a time as this, and, and I think that was just an absolute God moment that you guys walked into, and was it bigger than yourselves? Absolutely. But, I mean, they're in, if it doesn't take faith, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's not pleasing to God. That's exactly so, right. Um, well, we're super excited. We, we've as you know, we've narrowed down the budget, $210,000 for the whole house. Um, uh, miraculously, already just over $100,000 uh, has been pledged or already sent in, including you know, funds from Revival Temple. You guys have partnered with us in this financially, and we cannot appreciate you uh, enough for that because as a whole church, um, yourself, Jason, your mom and dad have expressed so much encouragement um, you know, financial partnership, um, enthusiasm. Hey, when, you know, when can we bring the team down? And so we're at that stage where we have enough funding to start uh, construction. I'll be back in Honduras in about three weeks, meeting with the hospital again, meeting with uh, the uh, builders and just finalizing, you know, the paperwork side so that we can yeah. kick the construction off. And you and I were talking yesterday about next year, possibly, you know, mobilizing a team yeah. with some workers. Yeah, we 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 probably would even like to entertain multiple trips. You know, we've got yeah for sure. We we have several people that are contractors, uh, laborers that that are skilled laborers that have volunteered. Hey, look, I'll take a week. I'll take a week, two weeks vacation of my time, and um, if y'all can just tell us when, you know, we'll we'll come down there. You know, a lot of a lot of folks don't have the leeway to to send thousands of dollars, but they do have 
a week or two that their company will pay them to do work and that and they're, you know they're willing to sacrifice their pleasure time for, for coming to ultimately do something that builds the kingdom I, I, I don't think that uh, building that maternity home I don't think that that's just a simply a place to give a mom a place uh, you know a spot to lay her head while she waits on her baby or, or another appointment I, I, I believe the end result of that will be um, them asking the question who did this and why yeah and when they dig down and find that the root of that was the love of, of Jesus uh, the hands and feet of Jesus the body of Christ then that's it, the end result is always souls yeah and so I think that that's that's the that's the game that's that, the, that's, that's the, it that's the business of souls that's awesome you know one of the the, the dynamics for me that really uh, just inspires me about yourself and all of Revival Temple is not just your generosity, but your generosity even in spite of challenges, even in spite of, of hardship. So the Revival Temple is in Walker, Louisiana. And uh, for listeners um, don't know, or, or maybe some do, right there in South Louisiana, yeah. you guys had a big situation last year, in the last year, what, yeah. what happened? Um, August 12th, or yeah, August 12th of last year, uh, we just had what we would describe as a perfect storm. Uh, there was a lot of unsettling weather in the Gulf of Mexico uh, that already had the lakes and rivers backed up. Um, the land was just saturated from, from rains and, uh, and then all of a sudden we had what they described as a hurricane with not enough wind to push it on through. So we had basically hurricane force rains but without the wind uh, and it dumped, I, I don't even really remember, it seems like it was close to 40 inches of rain uh, in wow. less than in less than 36 hours. In an uh, area where the rivers and lakes and the rivers are already where, full. Our, yeah, in Livingston Parish, where Walker is, we, we have the most waterways per capita than any other county or a parish uh, within wow. Louisiana and the, and the, the southeast region. Uh, every, you can't drive five miles in, or six miles in either direction and not cross a creek or a river. Yeah. Um, so we're already a low-lying area, we're already a saturated area, and for us to get that much rain uh, along with all the, the drainage issues, it, it began to overflow the rivers very quickly. Dim Springs and Central began to flood first, and then it just kept expanding onto Walker. Uh, and what happened at the church? You guys have two buildings kind of described for the listeners. You have a, an older building to the front of the property. Yeah, and we then, actually have four. Or we four. Have four buildings. We have, okay. Um, the older building to the front of the property is what we call our chapel now. It's where our student building is. Okay. Um, where our junior high youth and college have their all of their uh, services and and uh, whatnot. And then right behind, at, right in that building as well as is, is all of our offices. Mm -hmm. um, and then right behind that, we have our family life center. It has a lot of teaching rooms. It has a gymnasium. Uh, you know full service kitchen and whatnot just really the place where we do a lot of our activities and yeah uh, and then uh, we have a, another kids building and then our main sanctuary and the main sanctuary is a higher elevation yeah, yeah. than those front buildings in the yeah. front by at least a good it's 20 a, feet or a little something. over uh, like. it's a little over two feet higher in elevation okay. uh, yeah, it, it's it's well, right at three feet higher in elevation. Okay, uh, seems like front. a lot higher than that. Yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, but it's still that the the main sanctuary still got right at a foot of water in it. In the main sanctuary. The main sanctuary. So at that higher elevation building. Yeah. About a foot of water. Yeah. 
and then in that lower building, how deep did the water get in, in between there? Between three and a half and four feet. And then kind of in the in the family life center in between that it's built up just a little bit higher yeah it was about two and a half feet and that was last august august 2016. yes august 2016. Man, a year how, ago. how did that because then presumably not only the church building but then there were homes families throughout the community uh, yeah it lives had, in paris there were nothing ninety thousand homes were flooded um in walker i don't remember the percentage in Walker, uh, but in Livingston Parish altogether, it was right at 90,000 homes. Uh, at one time, I think there was about 85 to 90% of the parish was displaced uh, wow. because, of, because of the flooding. And so you would, you could almost presume that, you know, here's a church that's already giving financially to yep. missionaries all over the world, and you guys support yep. numerous missionaries all over the world, and you're flooded out. Yeah. So what do you do? You should lock the door. You shut the thing down. I mean, what happened? No, you know, we um, in, in in the past natural disasters, we've always opened the church as a shelter. The church was a shelter during Hurricane Katrina. We actually shut down services for for a while during Hurricane Katrina because we were just inundated with with refugees from the storm uh, from New Orleans area, from St. Bernard area, and um, we were a shelter for about three and a half to four months during that time. Um, so we actually, during the flood, uh, prior to our, our property flooding, uh, Walker flooding, Denham Springs and Central and Baton Rouge had started flooding two days, about a day and a half, two days before us. So we were actually wow. opened up as a shelter, taking on people um, just, just to help house and feed them uh, until, until we just figured out how bad the situation was gonna get. And then uh, not even a day in, it just, it just kept rising and, and then we found ourselves underwater as yeah. well uh, but no uh, to answer your question no we you know we shut we had to shut down as a shelter yeah but we immediately went into uh, rescue mode if you will uh, as soon as we got all the people out of harm's way at our church uh, I'm not gonna say stole we actually went and commandeered a couple boats from uh, <laughs> there's a, a large neighborhood behind our church and some of our our church members yeah uh, live in that neighborhood and I knew of a couple of them that I fished with and I knew that they they had large fishing boats and so nice. I uh, I swam and caught a ride on on another boat uh, back into a neighborhood and, and got a friend of mine's boat and, and took it Wow <laughs> and we started we started getting people out of you know to, to where the National Guard could pick them up with helicopters and, and those large vehicles but uh Man. you know ap after we we kind of finished licking our wounds so to say and we put our feet back on dry ground the the work immediately started uh both on our place and trying to as 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 it all you know always is even though you're in a need there's other people in a need too so yeah on top of our need there were people calling asking if we could help them yeah and uh, it was a very it was a very heartbreaking challenging moment for us because our heart is to help others but here we are somewhat crippled in our ability you know no vehicles uh no just really no way to get around um, yeah and this is just literally the days and maybe yeah. the first couple of weeks after the after the flood yeah the main the main um thing that was really a hard hard deal to process the day of the days after was uh our phone systems all our communications were down wow um 
and there were a lot of the church members that we know were in low, low, low-lying areas that we couldn't get in touch with. We didn't know if they were okay. We didn't know whether where we had families that had gotten separated. Uh, the water come up so quick, it didn't give anybody a, a, enough time to get out. And um, there were just a lot of a lot of the elderly couples in Revival Temple. We didn't have the opportunity to check on them. You know, we couldn't get to them. Um, so for Dad, as the senior pastor, it was a very a very t- uh, trying time for him. Sure. Uh, he 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 did not sleep. He couldn't. He he. I don't think he rested at all until his flock, all all of his people were accounted for. He just couldn't. He couldn't sleep. Couldn't stop. Yeah. And um, you know, it, it it was a it was a challenging season, no doubt. Well, here we are, 11 months. Yeah. From that from that moment, and how's the church doing? Church is actually fully recovered. Um, wow. You know, we as soon as we had phone service. We started ordering sheetrock, and uh, we we started we started tearing out uh, the the nasty wet stuff, the damage immediately. Um, the the mind blowing thing was there were actually some church members that the water was taking so long to get down, their houses were flooded. So until they could get to their houses, they were at the church working, wow. helping to clean up the. the the church and they didn't even have vehicles or a place to live you know our actually pastor jason hanks uh at the time uh, of course he's pastoring in florida now but you know he was our missions pastor associate yep. pastor on staff and jason and leah's house had five and a half feet of water uh wow jason was helping run the shelter uh helping with the recovery all the while his home is is almost six foot underwater as well lost all of his vehicles and all of his clothes, uh, you know, his two young children were—they uh, were all displaced. I mean, yeah. uh, most of my family was, but um, it was a—it was a challenge time. The, the church is doing well, though. The church is fully recovered. Some a lot. There was about 84 families in the church that lost vehicles or homes. Um, I don't know the number on how many of those people are back in, but I do know that there's still several families that are not in their homes yet, still working on them. There were several families that just simply had to walk away from their homes. Wow. Because there, were, there was just too much damage, uh, they didn't have flood insurance. Because most most of the spots that flooded were not in a flood zone. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it was there. There's a lot of work to do. In fact, we did a community outreach uh, about a month and a half ago, to where we just set a tent up in the middle of the city. Uh, we served about 500 plates of jambalaya, a free dinner. And, uh, and, and soft drinks, and we just had two stations where people could just drive through prayer, pull in, mm. ask them if we could pray for them. And I would probably say that 98% of the prayer requests were people that were still dealing with the flood 10 months after the fact. So there's still, there's still a lot of people who are dealing with the stresses of insurances and just not, not being in their homes. Yeah. You know, uh, so you know the th- thing that really blew my mind um, and, and touched my heart, you know, was Gina and I stopped by there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we live in Florida. Um, we're normally there at the end of September, yeah. every year anyway, for the annual conference. And you guys had to postpone conference last yeah. year just to put the church back together, sure. the physical components that were going on. And uh, so I guess it was sometime in October, we stopped by and uh, really we came to, to try to be a blessing yeah. Uh, to some of the families there that you know we've connected with on a personal level, and I, I tell you what, Dale, I'll never forget it. 
uh, at the end of service, your dad is up there. Y'all had a guest speaker that night, and uh, your dad's kind of closing out service. And um, we hadn't, I don't even think we told anybody, I think we told Jason and you, you know, yeah. that we were coming that day. We just text, you know, hey, we're, yeah. we're going to stop by and say hi and get a bite to dinner or something. And uh, your dad looks over and, and sees me standing there, and he's like, hey, here's one of our missionaries. And again, it goes back to that DNA, you know, that Brother yeah. McMasters had, had implanted. Yeah. Here's a church full of people many of whom are still displaced from their homes yeah. who pause and say, here's a missionary, you know, who doesn't live here. He's not displaced from his home, but let's hear what's going on. He yeah. called me up there and just gave me a minute to kind of share. And, and he spoke some, some really encouraging things uh, over us. I remember Noah, my son, standing yeah. there. And the thing, he, he takes the microphone, he's holding the microphone and he sets it down to the side like, you know, a way where, where nobody could hear him. And he leaned over to me like this, right? He's going to whisper in my ear. Yeah. Probably ask you, what did you need? Uh, <laughs> no, it, which wouldn't have surprised me if it had said that. But he said to me, he said, now I want you to watch this church love on you. That's what he said to me. <laughs> and I'm kind of taking him back. So he picks the microphone back up and he says to this congregation of displaced people, he says, we want to love on this missionary. So will you guys join me and Melissa and blessing him? And he, he pulls money out of his own pocket. Yeah. I mean, he pulled cash out of his pocket. He came prepared, which already is, he stays you know, prepared. who carries cash around, you know. <laughs> he stays prepared. <laughs> and he just sets it right there on the, on the, on the um, platform. He just set it right there on the, on the, on the um, stage. And uh, I look around and then, man, the whole church just comes down and just, put some money there yeah. you know for for what we're doing in Honduras yeah dude I'm crying I'm blown away I'm just blown away because we came to try to be a blessing <laughs> and like you talked about that DNA of the church here's a church that says you know what if if, if it's high cotton great and if we're flooded out yeah. great we're gonna be about the Great Commission yeah and um, that's well, that's just amazing yeah, Jesus said himself uh, he's always said said the son of man did, did not come to serve but to or to be served but to serve yeah and it's it's really easy to do uh the the principal things when times are good um, yeah it, it's really when times are bad that you have to put your trust in god to continue to do those things you know giving out of your own need but um going way back in a conversation to that spiritual dna that's something that's been ingrained in the people of Revival Temple is that if the seed that you have in your hand is not enough for your harvest, then don't eat it, plant it, put it in something and, and, and wait to see what the harvest brings, you know? And so um, I think those people know without a shadow of a doubt that, yeah, they, they need money. They need a lot more money than they have, but the money that they had in their pocket was not enough to meet the need, but it was enough to meet your need and that God would in return meet their need because yeah. they gave. Um, you know, you talked about dad pulling cash out of so that he makes it a point to, I, I know for a fact, he frequents the ATM and, and he carries cash around in his pocket all the time. Um, simply looking for opportunities for God to say, bless them. But, you know, and that, that's, um, you know, everything starts in, with the leaders. And, and so that's kind of the the heart that the church has taken on. Um, you know, one, awesome. of, one of the main things during that flood was, uh, although we were displaced, had a lot of money that we needed to bring in, 
there were still missionaries on the field that had projects that we we committed to to fund and to be a part of and at yeah. that moment it's for lack of a better way of putting it, it's put up or shut up. <laughs> do, you know, do we right. do we do we think that God is going to honor yeah. our promise? And sure. at that point, you have to you have to do what you know is principally right, what the Word of God is, no matter what the circumstances look like. Yeah. And you know, I, I know that um, during that time, there was a need that arose from another ministry, uh, and we're in the middle of rebuilding. Yeah. But we said, you know what? We said we we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Right after we did that, a pastor shows up from Baton Rouge and drops a $20,000 check off. There was never, ever a deficit. In fact, the church is, has come out ahead uh, wow. because of this flood. And it's not because we worked the insurance companies or we did this or we did that. It's simply because of all the seed that's been put in the ground yeah. over the years that it started coming back and uh, the harvest started coming in. You know, I don't think a single missionary would have faulted you guys to have called or said, yeah. hey, you know what, we need to hold off on monthly support for 30 or 60, 90 days, yeah. you know, whatever. Or I know we said we're gonna fund this project, but we're gonna push that back six months or, or sure. whatever. But you guys didn't do that. Yeah. And you know, there's a difference in the world principles of finances and how money yeah. works you know, in business and, and all that, and that's great, and there's there's real principles there. Yeah. But there's a difference in that and how finances work in the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like you said, if you got seed in your hand, you sow it. Yeah. And in sowing that seed, there's a perpetuation of the gospel and, and the kingdom of God, but there is also a harvest. You know, we don't give to get, but there is a return sure. on that, that now Revival Temple, uh, you know, the church building's back and yeah. you're in a position now where the church is not still trying to put itself together, yeah. but you have continued to be, and now even more so financially soluble to be that light in the community for those families that are still putting their lives yeah. back together. And with this maternity house, yeah. you guys have given already for the maternity house and then since the flood have committed and given even more funds since then and it's like man that's incredible one of the things that you know we mentioned you guys did postpone last year i think really as i was talking to you about it more just the physical space was not available the church yeah. was flooded out i mean i saw the pictures you pulled carpet out cut sheetrock out all that stuff yeah but every year into september last weekend of september you guys host a missions conference at the yes. church i think that's where we first met yeah was uh, we came to that. How long have y'all been doing that conference? Oh, that, oh, long, longer than I've been alive. Uh, wow. That missions conference uh, has been going on uh, since probably late 60s, early 70s. Um, wow. You know, it, it, uh, it has evolved over the years. It, it's always been in the fall type uh, part of the year. Um, but it, as, as the demands of people's ministry and the constraints of travel and everything have, has increased. Um, we've shortened it, but what has allowed us to do was um, shortening it to a couple days actually gave us the ability to just put a, a love offering or a gift in the hand of each missionary that comes to the conference. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just a time of year. I know it's hard a lot of times for people to get on and off the field, get their families, you know, into the states and out of the states, and it's expensive. Uh, so 
we don't feel that it's right to ask missionaries or ministries to come spend your money to come off the field and, and, and not do something for them. Yeah. Um, it's just a, it's a highlight of our year, a time that we get to love on everybody, hope that they get spiritually refreshed, uh, you know, give and, and not only that, give them an opportunity to come and present what they're doing for the kingdom in yeah. front of the people who may not feel the call to go, but they may feel the call to help and uh, to sin and to yeah. equip. And so it's just it's just uh, it's another opportunity, a tool, if you will, for us to connect to connect the body of Christ uh, to one another. It's awesome, man. You know, we we visit a lot of missions conferences through the course of the year at a lot of different churches. Um, and Revival Temple is unique. At Revival Temple, it's one of the places that as a missionary, when we walk in the door, I genuinely feel like every single person there is glad we're there. Yeah. Like they really love the mission. And yeah. not just because, you know, we're Connect Global and we're cool, but yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, I watch the displays of love from, you know, the, the, the kids to the seniors yeah. with every missionary that walks in the door. Yeah. And not like a hospitality thing even and hospitality is great but like like it's their family you know like it's their long-lost cousin just come back home I mean it's so personal yeah and the atmosphere there that you guys have created is so amazing I know that for us we appreciate it what you guys do for us and for all these missionaries from the bottom of our heart it's incredible it's an, it's an honor to do it <laughs> so let me ask you this if people wanted to connect with Revival Temple uh-huh uh, you guys are in Walker, Louisiana, South yes. Louisiana, between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, I guess maybe um, a way to say it, or kind yeah, of north of New Orleans. We are on the I-12 corridor, okay. uh, Interstate 12. We are uh, right in between Hammond okay. and Baton Rouge. We're okay. Exit 15 off of I-12. Exit 15. So yes. if people wanted to connect with Revival Temple, how would they do that? Um, well, we have uh, RevivalTemple.com, okay. um, which is our website. Uh, full service website, you know, ways to connect, see what's happening, register for events, um, different things like that. And then we also have uh, the app for uh, Apple and Android, it's a Revival Temple app. Uh, on that app is just a, a quick link to archive sermons, uh, announcements, encouragements, bulletins, and uh, opportunities to give, so into different ministries and whatnot. So, or they can just combine person and experience a weekend check it out yeah check it nice. out in person so if we had pastors or missionaries listening and they yeah. wanted to get more information about yeah. the missions conference that information yeah is on the website as well yeah you can go online uh see information on the website the speakers the times the registration the hotels um and they can call the church uh the numbers and everything are on the website they can email uh, information at revival temple um but all the all the all the info and registration and all the details are on the app and the website. And the website again is RevivalTemple.com. Yeah. That's super simple. Dude, I got one last question for okay. you. Uh, this is we kind of do a question of the day. Uh -huh. So our question of the day today is what are you reading? Is there any any books? You know, we believe leaders are readers. So are you reading <laughs> something? Uh, that's yeah. helping you out? What are you reading? Yeah, right now I actually uh, I'm kind of in the middle of reading uh, Good or God by John Bevere. Okay. Uh, the last book that I finished prior to that one is Living the Life of Fire by Evangelist Reinhard Bonnke. Nice. Um, that was an incredible read. I'm just, just getting into to Good or God. Yeah. Uh, enjoying that, being, being challenged in my mind, the way I think with, with how I you know, look at things and weigh them out and 
say is it just is this God or is it you know is it good? But uh, yeah, I, the Living Life of Fire. Uh, as soon as I read that, it's it's a it's a big book. It's yeah. a, it's a long read, but it's well worth it. Uh, nice. When you close it, you you kind of get the feeling like even though Reinhard Bunke is just is such an iconic evangelist, sure. you know, in the world. Uh, he writes it in such a way that it literally makes you feel like, hey, I can do this too. Wow. And uh, it's all, all hinged on our obedience to, to God and wow. what, what he's calling us to do. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Daryl, I wanted to tell you how much we appreciate both Revival Temple, yeah. your family, and you. You know, as you said, you've been right there with us in Honduras, rubbing elbows. I know that you've prayed for us. I know that you have... Uh, financially sewn into our ministry yeah. and uh, man we just appreciate the partnership and we yeah. appreciate the friendship oh, man. Uh, so that's Pleasure. been outstanding but thanks for taking some time out today to, to visit with me and we hope that you've enjoyed this segment of the global neighborhood here on the connection channel by connect global if you want to get some more information about revival temple again their website revivaltemple.com fantastic church if you want to get some more information about Connect Global, you can find us on the web at GoServeChange.com. And we'd love to hear from you. You know, if you're listening to this on one of our podcasts, then you can email information into us, contact us through the website. But if you're listening to this on the Anchor channel, you can actually uh, hit that call-in button and actually call into the channel. We'd love to hear any questions or comments that you might have. Uh, we really appreciate the engagement and uh, just want to do our best to share what's going on at Connect Global and especially in this segment, the Global Neighborhood, to bring you individuals who are involved in missions as missionaries or like in Daryl's case, who are pastors, but who are engaged in sending uh, other missionaries and even going themselves. And uh, so we'd love to hear from you, our listener, uh, with that call in on the Anchor Channel or connecting through us via email or phone. And you can get all that information on our website again at GoSurfChange.com. We appreciate you so much. We hope that you're having a fantastic day. May God bless you, and we'll see you next time here on The Connection.